You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. That's right, kiddies. It's the Chameleon Church Show for Tuesday. What day is it? September 21st. How the heck are we already at the end of the month? My gosh. I mean, before we know it, it'll be Christmas. How many how many Fridays till Christmas? Like five or something? I don't even know. It's, it's too close to tell. That means winter's coming. It's cold. Look, I'm, I'm wearing my, it's starting to get cold garb. Good morning. It is Tuesday morning. My name is Alan McGuire. It's the Chameleon Church Show coming to you live and direct from the Wasatch back in northern Utah. Man, oh man, we are in the middle of the fall feasts. If you follow the fixed calendar, you are today is your high Sabbath and uh, the high Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you aren't following that calendar, but you're following uh, the physical, the visible crescent, then we are doing this Wednesday night. So Thursday will be our high Sabbath. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Interesting. Hey, uh, we got our, 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 our co-host Leonard Parada, pastor Leonard Parada. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. What is going on in your part of the world? How are you doing? How was, how was your weekend? My weekend was wonderful. I was up at the Klamath River, and uh, we just we were parked literally on the river. It was so nice. That's the I best mean, way to do it. And it was, it was peaceful. It rained at night like crazy up here. And then during the day, sunny, and, the, and it got up to about 70. So I have to say it was nice and warm for us. We haven't hit that in a long time. You guys have been getting the 90s, but... Just to see the Klamath. I wish I could post pictures up here. Oh, my gosh. It was just gorgeous. It, just like glass during the day. And, and so, the Yurok Indians, they own all the land up there. And uh, just wonderful people. We got to meet quite a few of them. We went to one of their restaurants and Steelhead Lodge. Um, Some big fish up there. Yeah. Big fish. I need to. I need to go check it out. So, a lot of people don't know this, but when I was seven years old, I spent about five weeks up in the Corvallis area. The Corvallis. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I will. I was literally in Corvallis. Right near but, Eugene. Yeah. So we're in Corvallis. So we. I got to see the. I went to the Klamath Falls. So it's been a long time since I've been in that area. Yeah. Um, but it was also the first time. So God spoke to me when I was five, but it was but it was the first time I encountered Jesus. I was seven years old, or the first time He encountered me, and uh, yeah, very interesting, Oregon. But yeah, man, being able to part, put your RV on the side of a river and just hang out there for a few days—that's the way to do it. I'm thinking of you because I know you'd like to put your fly fishing pole in that river, my God. Yeah, running right now, but. Yeah, I need to, nice to go check that area out. There's a lot of steelhead up there. All steelhead. I guess they have a certain run. It becomes a big festival. It's a big thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's good. So I'm wondering if our numbers are so low because people are observing a high Sabbath today. Could be. Oh. There's a lot of people that do not follow the crescent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots. Yeah, it's fine. I well, yes, it's, you gotta do it right. Yeah, it's yes, it's fine. And when we subscribe to Visible Crescent, I mean, I think there's biblical mandate. There is. Yeah, I mean, and, and I explained it in the feast. I explained it clearly in the watch, feast. Right? right? Yeah, you gotta watch, you gotta watch, watch according to his rules. Right, and they had, and and based on the narrative between King Saul and Jonathan and David, there was a three-day feast around the new moon, so that they could see it, so that they could set the uh, fire. Uh, what's it called? The markers, the signal, signal fires, so that all the land would know that it was Rosh Kodesh. You can't do that unless you see it, which is why we we subscribe to Visible Crescent. 
Um, but we are, but I also understand, but I also understand. So here's, here's what I, here's what I not deal with, but this is what I deal with. <laughs> I actually had to deal with it yesterday. Um, I know a lot of, I know people, I know a lot of people follow fixed calendar because Jason fixed calendar. I didn't know it was broken. I know a lot of people follow the fixed calendar because it helps them with their job. And because with their with their day to day job, they have to give notice, prior notice, if they're going to take a day off or a high Sabbath in the middle of the week. I understand that. Um, versus, oh, it's the new moon. I saw the visible crescent, and then you get a hold of your job and tell them, oh, it's like a day or two. You know, it's, that doesn't that's not convenient for the majority of people. So. For them to follow the fixed calendar, I understand that. That way they can give notice to their job because they can't just nilly-willy since, you know, it's not like we're, remember, in, in ancient, in, in, I'll use the term ancient Israel. Right. Um, they were all living like that. And so their life, their culture, their society was based on it. And so everybody was waiting to get the signal fire in order for everyone to know that, oh, yes, it is Rosh Kodesh. But they couldn't do that without seeing it. So I understand that we don't live in that type of culture. I mean, Israel doesn't even live in that culture today. So I understand that as a, a reason behind the fixed calendar. That way I can clear it with my job ahead of time and give proper notice to my employer. Absolutely understand that. But the second thing I deal with, that see, that one makes sense. That one I can go totally makes sense. The second one I deal with is, well... The Chabad near my house, or the Messianic group over here, or the the rabbi over there, or the see that I get a lot of that. That I I can't work. I, there's nothing there to work with. It's like, oh, wait, you're telling me stuff based on what you were told. You're a talking head. You haven't figured this out for yourself. You haven't looked into it for yourself. And then they're like, well. I have your book. So what pages are you referring to? Because I, I, I looked it up on this. I'm like, I don't have time to go through my book with you. You know, if you want a private tutorial session with me, maybe we can do that. But I, I don't just, I can't just drop everything I'm doing so that I can show you where in my book I explain visible crescent versus, versus uh, con, uh, conjunction. I mean, that's the whole purpose for you to have the book. Read the damn thing yourself. Well, I couldn't find it. I'm like, it's, in, it's even in the index. See, at that point, I can't work with you because you're doing nothing for yourself, and you're coming at me and questioning my position based on what you're hearing from some rabbinical concepts that you've heard at some Chabad somewhere. It's like, I, I don't respect that if, without the whole Jewish thing. If you're a Christian and you come at me because your pastor said so— and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a little bit of a conversation, aren't we? But don't don't do don't don't do that. Don't do that with me. I don't have time for that, man. That pushes buttons in me because the pastor said so. I'll tell you something. Most I used to think like this. You know what? What am I even doing this for? Because I'm regurgitating things for the same thing fifteen years in a row. Yeah, and people are going around the same mountain. And you know yeah. what? When, when I discovered the foundations of our faith and those Hebrew, the Hebrew understanding, you know, you think about Rosh Kodesh, and you think about the feasts, and what it what it did in my heart is I'm going, you know what? He gives us the privilege to get that prophetic awakening yeah. every month to just long and say, you know what? I my heart will fill with the prophetic because I'm looking towards your coming. Yeah. Because I'm looking towards his promises. And you know what? Oh, but did my pastor tell me to do that? Yeah. What, what's the latest thing I heard? People, they, they have really no relationship outside of, here, lead me here. Yeah, what they're being told. They're frustrating. Yeah, and it frustrates me too because it's like, well, one, I'm not that type of person. I mean, I want to know what it is that I'm involved with. I want to know what it is that I'm doing. I want to understand what it is that I'm involved with, and I want to understand what it is that I'm doing, whether it's faith, fishing, music, 
writing books, marketing, promotion. I mean, that's why I know all that stuff because I had to figure it out because it's, it's not like I come from money and I, and I could hire all these people back in the eighties when it came to, to my music career. No, I had to go out there and figure it and, and hump and I had to, I had to bust my, my, my back to learn all this stuff and, and hustle, uh, so that I could actually do it. And I did. So it's one thing when we're talking about business or music or whatever, but man, when it comes to faith, and it's not, well, Alan, just because, oh, that's just because you do it like that, Alan. No, that's another cop out, you little Muppet. No, God wants you to be like that. It's not me. God wants you to be a five, he wants you to, uh, he wants you to double the five minutes. He wants you to double the two minutes. He doesn't want you to sit around holding the one or because you buried it or you hid it. That's what we're talking about. It's on you to seek out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're here to equip you to do that. We're not here to hold your hand and do it for you. That's, there's no. When you're naked and alone before God, you can't, if, if, you can't say, well, Alan or Chameleon Church or Lenny, you're going to get spanked. It's on you, man. And all we're trying to do is prep you. All we're trying to do is equip you. We're trying to give you the resources necessary so that you can double your minas, so that you can double your talents. It's on you to know these things. That's why you write a book. Hell, I, that's why I wrote a book, but don't tell, but don't text me saying, where in your book? That means you haven't read my book. You're that, that's, that's really lazy, man. And if you, my book, I'm not that, I'm not that intelligent. My book's for the, it's an everyday man. It's not like, it's, it's so difficult that you can't get it. Oh, it's so frustrating. You know, I don't need these people to trigger me. I can trigger myself. Hey, we're on social media on a yeah, Tuesday we morning. I, uh, we would like for you to, well, one, thank you for being here. Uh, we'd like for you to, to like. If you're on Facebook, like it, follow. If you're on YouTube, follow, ring the little ringy bell thing, uh, leave a comment, but be sure to do all the social media stuff that you have that you can do so that um you know it helps with the algorithms it helps with all that stuff so we have a comment here it says uh it sounds like you encourage being a disciple versus catered christianity where pastors and the board so we uh, we 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 actually follow the apostolic church model versus the christianity church model uh, one day we should probably talk about that. I've got a, an entire outline on what the differences are. Here's what the bad church look model looks like. Here's what the apostolic model looks like. All the various differences. My Bible says he's coming back for the bride, not the church. Church needs to ramp itself. The church, right? What does the church have to do? The church has to ready herself. That's right. And clothe herself as the bride with white linen, which are the good works of the saints. They don't believe in works. Oops. The church Oops. does not want to hear what it needs to hear right now. And it needs um, to hear these things. I mean, it's life and death. Yeah. And that's why your quote, Alan, why don't you read your quote? I mean, it was an, it just took me this morning when I read about, my gosh. What quote? The quote from Sir Isaac Newton. Oh, oh, oh. So on uh, Facebook, what's it called? Memories, you know, how it tells you what, you know, whatever you posted, like going back 12 years, I think. And so five years ago, apparently I posted this five years ago. Where is it? And, um, and so I reposted it this morning, last night. It's a quote uh, from Sir Isaac Newton. So apparently Sir Isaac Newton was trying to take, he, apparently from what I understand, I, and I learned this from David Flynn. Uh, he, Dave, uh, Sir Isaac Newton took Daniel in Revelation and was trying to do that with it, it up like that. And in the process of doing that, came up with calculus, uh, the theory of relativity. <laughs> Everything. Crazy. Brilliant. So apparently this is a quote from Sir Isaac Newton. About the time of the end, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation in the midst of much clamor and opposition. You know, he was 300 years ago. 
And he called to the date, the signing when uh, uh, Clinton was there with Menachem Begum and them, and they signed some type of treaty. He said there was something significant, but more so than that, he was the most premier theologian and teacher of the book of Daniel, but he was highly prophetic, highly, highly prophetic. He understood what the mescaline were. He did. So the David Flynn book that is based on a lot of Newton stuff is a temple at the center of time. I had to read it five times and I still probably have to read it another five times. I know. Right. And there's a, there's a part of it. He says that God who lives outside of our time space continuum has voluntarily has chosen to anchor himself to man in his time with the Ark of the Covenant. Whoa. But that's why he's raising up people that are going to tell his people what they need to hear. And it's the Torah. I mean, it's just Torah. It's, it's the it's living Bible. Yeah. It's living well, word coming alive in them. And yeah. if, if they're not meeting the Messiah, they're like what you were talking about before. Oh, just tell me what to do instead of them hearing what they need to do right from him. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then basing what you believe or what you think you believe on bad information is just so frustrating. You know, I, I pulled out some old notes. I was in about, it was 20, I think it was 2018. I was down in a roast, no, 2017. I was down in a roasty. That's your uh, Visalia. And there's a brother. Uh, he runs uh, Growing in Torah Ministries and he has a big farm. It's all agricultural. And he brings in, 10 to 12 young people or even old if they want to come and stay for nine months. And he teaches them Torah while they're raising, doing vineyards, while doing agriculture. Well, the guy on his board and was there three times a year was Brad Scott. You know, he's a, his designation was he was an agro agro biolinguistics theologian. (laughs) The guy would teach Torah by looking teaching how to farm and everything Bible agriculture, right? So I used to get the tapes, but we went there, we took the motor home. We just, it was during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They do, a, they do Sukkot. There's like 300 people there during Sukkot. They're up there get, gathering right now for this. And you know, they follow the Crescent too. They, um, they do Unleavened Bread. They do Passover. And like for $2 a day, they feed you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, it's incredible. And then you go out in the fields, and during those days, Brad would teach, like for two hours in the morning, he'd take you through the fields. Phenomenal. Well, he did this one thing on atheists and what atheists really are, and he, he brought all this stuff, and I go, gosh, it sounds almost like you put a spiritual spin on it, it sounds like progressives today, progressive Christianity. Uh It sounds like the, the Christianity that we've been talking about, just feed me, but with no substance. And I go, what's the difference between the two? The interesting thing is, you know, with the atheist, he says, their problem is not with God, it's with authority. And they, they believe in the scientists, not the science. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Christianity. They don't believe the word. They want to believe what the man, what the man says about the word. And of the day that's teaching about the word. There was Does a, it fit their cultural expression? So I don't know. I yeah. pulled out all these notes and I'm going, wow. No, but we believe in love. Yeah. You believe in love until someone smacks you across the face. You don't love anymore. And that's what the atheist did. Bertrand Russell, he goes, love is the main thing. And then his philosophy under Marx killed 70 million people. <laughs> you know, love is love until you get smacked. It's insane. It's good and evil, baby. Creation, that's our God. Speaking of, speaking of Brad, there was a comment. Basically, you know, a, there was a negative derogatory comment towards me. Uh, I, was, I was simply schlepping my books. And he goes, man, we, you know, I miss Brad Scott. We need, we need Brad Scott back, da, da 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 And I was like, you know, it's so easy for you to type these comments without knowing anything about anything. And, and 
and without ever doing anything yourself. It's like, you know, why don't you, you know, where's your book? What interviews can I go see about you and yours and blah, right? They don't have any. And it's like, how do you, you know, and it's like, it'll, it's literally pearls before swine. If I yes. even, if, if I even attempted to explain to them that Brad Scott lived, what, an hour and a half, two hours from here? Yeah. And we got together, we talked like three or four or five times on the phone and got together twice physically and had lunch here in the, in this part. And we were talking about how to work out me joining him on the road. And people don't know that because, you know, it's not like I go around self-promoting myself, (laughs) right? People don't know that Brad Scott and I were actually discussing, uh, I going out together, me joining him on the road. Um, and then he died like literally months, you know, two or three months later. Totally untimely. Yeah. People don't know that. And it's like, well, why would they know that? It's not like I go around telling that, telling people right. that. But so, it, you know, that's when you want to punch somebody in the throat. In, 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 a, in, a, real, in a real world case scenario, you're at a bar or a restaurant, a guy walks up to you talking smack about something. And, and if, they had, if they had said that in real life, I would have unleashed on them. You don't know anything. You don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about Brad. You don't know anything about anything. Amazing. People aren't quick to listen, quick to speak. Yeah. Well, they also speak from a place of ignorance and they don't know, what they, you know, for some reason, everybody thinks they, 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 they're smarter. You know what my favorite, you know what my favorite thing is? It happened to me yesterday. Um, you know, obviously, because of what we do, we bring a lot of people into an understanding of Torah. My favorite thing is, you know, a handful of years down the road, they, they all, for some reason, all of a sudden think they're smarter than you about these things. All of a sudden, they know better than you do about these things. They, uh, they observe Torah better than you do. You're doing it wrong now, Alan. I'm, I, I figured it all out. It's just like, I'm going to backhand Check yourself, boy. It's like, why do people insist on doing that? It's not a competition. It's not a, it's so weird. It's weird what people do. Not, not just with Torah, just humans. I believe there was a magician in the book of Acts like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He ran into him. I will pay you for the ability to lay hands on people and heal them. And they're like, wow, you better back off, dude. Yeah, he wanted the. That's what he wanted. Yeah. That, that, that's a good segue to something I was thinking about sharing. Um, I got a message from Spencer. Spencer, he shows up here, and he shows up, you know, he's around. I, Spencer was a sound man. He was our he was our sound man. Uh, we went to church in Texas together. He said he was listening to um, the Shabbat not live this morning when he was he was driving somewhere. I'm not sure what he's doing, and it kind of hit him. Why do the old rules of engagement still work? Because on Shabbat night live on Friday night, if you don't if you don't know, I was on a show called um, A Rude Awakening Shabbat Night Live last Friday. It aired last Friday night on YouTube. There's links all over my social media. Well, he was watching it, and he was wondering, why do the old rules of engagement still work? We were talking about rules of engagement, how we still have to engage God. There are rules. There are predetermined ways for us to approach God, for us to align with Him. And, um, and we need to uh, you know, understand those things. So my friend was saying, hey, why or how do the old rules of engagement still work? You know, is it because he's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. So he, he was asking that question. And, you know, hmm. remember, there's a couple times like David and Jeremiah where they write, you know, where they, in, where they, they encourage us to consider the ancient ways, the ancient paths. So this is Jeremiah and David calling God's statutes and Precepts, Torah, the scriptures, God's rules of engagements, David and Jeremiah calling them ancient, and how we need to consider the ancient past, and how we need to consider and, and yes. align ourselves with them. 
and walk in that. So here's the, here's the hard, here's the very difficult thing for humans. And here's why I say it's difficult. Uh, Gun, look at what Gunger's been doing. Gunger is convinced that he's smarter than everybody else now, and we've got it all wrong. And um, spirituality and cosmic reality are all the same. Krishna is the same as Jesus. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And for us to limit it just to Jesus, well, that's wrong. Because it's like, it's not like that. Krishna and Jesus are, are essentially the same. They're working together, right? And there, he, he also started off with, remember, I think it was actually Gunga who started off with the whole, I can't serve, you know, I don't want to believe in a God, or I can't believe in a God that would require blood sacrifice for atonement, Jesus, right? Right? That's how, all his, that's how his deconstructionalism started. And then you, when, and we've talked about guys in other bands, because it's, it's primarily musicians or writers. It's primarily Christian celebrities that are coming out and, 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 and being championed by their fellow Muppets for walking away from the faith or perverting the basics. What does it say in uh, Hebrews about discernment? You, you, you need to go back to the basics. You're, you, you need to still suck on the milk because you don't have any meat because you're not mature because you have no concept or understanding of the basics right, right? milk milk and the meat right so essentially that's what's happened to these people they you know they never ate they never ate a steak dinner they've been sucking on the milk this whole time and and because they lack the discernment and the knowledge and the maturity of the basic precepts of God, I think, is the terminology used in Hebrews 5, I think it is. Um, they've done what they've done. Well, here's the thing that, he, that this is why, he, this is what stumps humans so much, is every, every, gen, every aeon or every cycle of humanity, let's say it was 40, 50, 60 years, they think they've figured it all out. They think we figured it all out and, and we know better. And, you know, and so, what we have seen since the 80s and the 90s is we have seen that, and it's not like it's the first time this has happened. This has happened, this happens every, every it happens a couple times every century, literally, for thousands of years, this happens. Um, the absolutes of Scripture or the absolutes of God, whatever it is God is saying or doing, um, doesn't apply because we're all modern now. We're smarter now. And that's yes. not really what God meant. God, God was an anti-pork. He was, anti he was helping Israel because they didn't have refrigeration. And, and pork would rotten and spoil because they couldn't refrigerate it. And so that's why he told them not to eat it, because it would hurt them if it, was, if it got spoiled and rotten. And I'm like, wow, your God's really stupid, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, they have this need to 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 humanize God and His ways based on their practical reasoning and leaning on their own understanding. And so, based on that, they always come to these conclusions a couple times every hundred years that we're smarter than God, we're smarter than the biblical narrative, the Bible's obsolete and old-fashioned, and and not modern enough it doesn't you know what i'm saying we we're way past this this here's here's where we are and the bible's way down here because it's old and ancient so and 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 we've and you know there are absolute sins in the old testament that can no longer it's impossible for them to be sin anymore and there's a couple things i can't even say what they are because you can get flagged on youtube for saying them but there's a certain stream of letters that are no longer sin today and that are embraced and welcomed and uh, inclusive and, uh, you know, all that coexist BS, all that stuff, right? They do this every, every couple, every other, like, 50 years. This happens and it's been happening forever, right? That's why David and Jeremiah are telling people to go back to the ancient path. Well, right. so, so here's the piece that humanity can't deal with. They have a hard time with it. And that's God is God, and he's not a man that he would be a liar. 
You're just a human. And there's a whole thing that God set up in the garden that the enemy rebelled against and was able to take out Adam and Eve regarding what we're talking about. And that narrative hasn't changed. No. Those, these are the doctrines of the watchers, baby. You know when Timothy 4.1, where he says doctrine of demons, the correct rendering is seducing spirits. Uh, didn't yeah. the fesh say, uh, you can be like him? Said that to Eve, and she bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And Adam stood by and said, um, he had a chance to speak up, and he didn't. And the preservation of their humanity, because they think they're becoming God. But Your clash, clash is coming. Yeah, it's it goes, you're right. It goes back to Genesis. It's filled with Genesis 1 and 2 and Genesis 6, all of it. Yeah, yeah. God set things up a certain way. Right. The enemy knows these things and rebelled against them and has taken man down with them. Right. Well, that's why we have Jesus. God doesn't change. God doesn't change and shift with every tide. He doesn't change and shift with every aeon. Oh, oh no. The Caledonians and the Phoenicians have are, are on the earth and they're doing their abominable um, pagan stuff. So I'm going to ch- switch and change my narrative to uh, to work with them. We didn't do that. Oh, the Egyptians, they're on the scene now uh, and they're doing things their way. And so I'm going to change and shift my narrative to appease them. No. In fact, when he did what he did in Egypt with Israel, he, he came and not only against Egypt, but against their gods. You know? Oh, Israel's doing their thing, so I'm going to shift my narrative and appease them. No. Oh, it's Rome. We got Rome now. Rome's pretty formidable. No, he didn't change that either. See, you can say all day long that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that he has no shadow of turning. You can say that all you want, but you actually don't believe it. Literally do not believe it. See, Christianity cannot be true if God changes with time and culture. That he's not God. He's not absolute. He's not absolute. And neither, see, just because you think truth is fluid doesn't make it so. Just because you can't submit to the reality that God is absolute and his word is absolute and what he called sin 7,000 years ago, he still calls sin today. You you don't actually believe that. You don't actually believe that because of your theology and your your doctrine and your denomination that you're involved with. And you don't actually believe that because of how you live your life and the things that you say and do. You can con a... Go ahead, don't go ahead and try and con. You can con yourself and you can lie to yourself, but don't try to con me and lie to me because I didn't, I'm not disrespecting you like that. Why are you going to disrespect me like that? And let me, you know, I'll let you in on a secret. You're not fooling God. What's it say? Don't be deceived, don't be fooled. God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. I don't know. And you know what the you know what the problem is? You know you know how you end up having these crazy one step away from séance uh gatherings every on the weekends in Los Angeles. You know how you get to that point from a, from get, from being a Christian worship guy to that point and Krishna and Jesus are riding a rainbow unicorn thing on your You know how you get to that point, Lenny? No fear of God. God. That's right. Again, uh, most everything's going to the fact that there's neither good nor evil. There's no good nor evil. So that they have to deny creation there because they're, that's that big tree. <laughs> it served its purpose. You know, it's interesting because they think God should govern the universe by justice, but he governs the universe by wisdom. Justice, but by wisdom. And you know what? This is the definition of what truth is. It's something that's observed over time. 
That's why the Torah is intact. That's why he's the living word. He governs by wisdom, not by justice. Could you imagine if we were governed by justice? We'd all be dead. Yeah. I that's mean, why, no that's why it's a court of law, not a court of justice. That's right. And you know what? That's why God is love. Because he's the one with wisdom that determines where evil and good is, giving us the chance through his son. It is a, yeah, it is a deeper. So you can get into it though if you want, Lenny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Wait, and you know why wisdom is a principal thing? Because what governs wisdom? Fear of the Lord. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But it brings you back to why God's raised Chameleon Church up. Why? Why the voice is there? Why God's put you on rude? Because. It's the raising up of those that'll tell the truth. And for me, that excites me because it connects the dots with what he's saying on this earth right now in spades. Better look up because everything, the doctrine of the watchers are getting, is there, it's in the church so big time. It's unbelievable. Again, progressive Christianity, but Muppet Christianity, brother, than just go week by week to sit in the seat. I mean, there's got to be more than that. That's a that's a so. There, there goes your that could segue into your identity thing, Alan. Boy, oh boy! You know, I originally my original intention was to write a book called Identity Crisis: Circumcising Your Egyptian Slave Mentality. That was the original concept after the feast book, and then uh, I ended up doing this thing is spiritual, and then field manuals and conceptually uh i the book identity crisis circumcising your egyptian slave mentality became a chapter of an even bigger unpacking of that concept and that's incorruptible the inheritance of sonship because part of our part of inheriting inheriting our sonship is the fact that we have an identity crisis and we have to circumcise our Egyptian slave mentality, Joshua 5. See, it's not just about identity crisis and circumcision of the heart and mind and spirit and soul and body in order to shed our Egyptian slave mentality, right? the, the, the circumcision at Golga. That's just a part of this whole thing, which is about inheritance, sonship. Because there's also obedience and alignment and all the stuff that we we always talk about. Stewardship, yeah. I think it's five things. Um, I think it's, and I mentioned this, I think, in the Facebook or in this thing is spiritual, and that's you got to have uh, an extreme, extreme obedience. We have to walk in extreme obedience. And we have to walk in an extreme interactive relationship with the Holy Spirit, and then we have to, then it, then it's extreme stewardship, uh, and then friend of the bridegroom, and then the bridal pair. Obedience, relationship with the Holy Spirit, stewardship. Before we can even can under even get to the point of understanding the the bride and the friend of the bridegroom. No paradigm. That's my opinion. And so I, I try to live like that. I try to live in, in extreme obedience you know, um, and have an extreme relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if, if I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit, if I don't hear God's voice, because right, you remember, Jesus isn't here, so it's the Holy Spirit's here. So if I can't hear God's voice through the power of the Holy Spirit, then I can't do His will. And I need to do His will because He only knows those that do the will of the Father. Yeah. And I want to know what God's will is so I can run to it and do it. I don't That's want to right. spend 10, 15, 20 years cycling out. See, that's the, that's the other thing. And, we, and I do mention that, and I do talk about that. This thing is spiritual. How humans just, they're constantly cycling out. They, they, can't, they can't go, you know, it depends on the person. Three months, six months, 15 months, two years, three years. They end up cycling out and can't do that. You literally, you cannot cycle out. You, you have to break the cycle of cycling out. There's no way 
you can be mature in the Father. There's no way you can grow. There's no way you can get from here to tomorrow. There's no way you can pull this off if you're still cycling out because you'll just keep going back. What three steps forward, two steps back. You know, I, I want to um, just encourage those that are, are older that are listening to these things that, you know, like me, we're hitting that big seven Oh pretty soon. You know, the thing is, is they're going, well, how can I do this? I'm too old. I can barely walk. How does this, let me remind you of the widow's might. Didn't have a lot. She didn't have a lot of talent. She didn't have a lot of anything. She was the end, but she gave all she had. That's all the master looked. It's just loving him with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I want to encourage some of you older people, if you're listening to this too, I go, you got it. You can do every one of those things that Alan was just talking about in that place of your devotion towards him by just loving him with everything you got. And it's not appointed to what a man has but what, or what he doesn't have, but what he does have. That's always given me comfort because sometimes I'll compare myself with others. Real easy to do that, but you have it. I'm telling you, most of the church has the ability to really accomplish these things. Can you imagine if they did realize the testimony and the witness of Messiah that would be out on this planet right now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, you know what my favorite part about the, the widow's might is? It says that Jesus was just sitting there, just staring at the people. Jeez. He was just vibing them, you know? I mean, he's just, he's like, I get, I, I sometimes get, I love staring at people because I like imagining their lives. Like, okay, they're going, what does their house look like? What kind of car do they drive? What's the dynamic between him and her? What's the dynamic with, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, and I can pick enough stuff up because I've been doing this for so long just by watching them. But sometimes I, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, my wife will go, you're staring. <laughs> it's I like, know you get that <laughs> Alan look. You know, I'm reading the Alan look. Show me the Alan. Look. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, what do you mean you don't know? Because I'm, I'm I'm reading all this. I'm reading. Them. So my favorite part about the widow's might is Jesus is literally sitting there, just staring at the people, watching them come in and give. And you know what he's doing? He's reading them. So man, we've got a we've got a few more minutes to go. What are we gonna What are we gonna talk about? Yeah, he chose silence. Uh huh. I'm just looking at some of the comments. Are there people out there? Is there anybody out? There? You can see the face, uh, the YouTube comments, can't you? Yeah, I can't see them. I, yeah. Oh, you can't see YouTube comments. Oh, yes, I can. Those are YouTube. Okay, you got it. See YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had a troll on here. I had to delete. Yes. Oh man. So I've been um. I, I'm I'm trying to so we you know we've got a we got a little uh, rush on orders obviously on book orders so I've been working on them last couple of days and I'm trying to get them out so if you're watching and you're wondering where your order is I'm trying to I, I will get them out today uh, because I have got a high Sabbath that's coming up that I won't be working on, so you got to build your suka I I, know, I still have to build my suka I didn't have a chance to do it over the weekend because Saturday was a high Sabbath and a yeah. Sabbath. And then I was working on the book Sunday and Monday, and I had to guide on Sunday afternoon. And then um, here we go. So I haven't had a chance to put it. Well, so we we have it. So we we have a have a three sided suka with an open side, and um, so it's that's already built, and we just store that throughout yeah. the year. So we just have to all we have to do is bring them out, connect them. And then decorate it and put, you know, the tables and the chairs and all the stuff that we do. So it's not a lot of hard work. It's just a matter of doing it. And, you know, everybody around here works day jobs. I'm the only one I work out of my home. So it's not like something I can do by myself. I'm not, not that talented. We bought a kit when we were in Santa Maria. These people in Ventura made it. Yeah. And they, they actually had the fasteners, but I had to go to Home Depot and they cut the aluminum poles for it. So oh, cool. I have everything. You just got to put it all together. And they give you the big canvas that you bungee it around the whole thing. I do it every year, but it's nice. It's kind of fun. It takes about three hours. I usually do it by myself. Linda's going to have to help me this year just because I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, man, that sucks. Uh, it does. Let me tell you. 
Yeah, man. I'm, I'm constantly reminded of what I was doing. And it's like, wait, how was that 25 years ago? Wait, how is that 30 years ago? <laughs> you know, like a video of like a show or something, like a, a show I did with Scattered Few. It's like, wait, that was like 1993, 92. It's like, wait a second. That's scary. It's like, oh my gosh. <sighs> and you know what? I'm still at the dining room table putting orders together. I've been doing this like 40 years now. <laughs> I thought by now I'd have like a whole team, a whole staff to do it. But no. Well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting to me that the new, well, when the new people show up, you know, people that have, are just now showing up because of Friday night. So I'm, I'm, I'm try, I try to be real careful. I don't want to scare them out the gate. I got plenty of time to scare them later on. <laughs> like last night we had a, I know at least, we had at least two people that were new last night more that just didn't show themselves and that's fine too but we had some new people last night for the uh exodus and gathering devotional that we do every monday night and i'm like so the intro's coming in there's the music and all that i'm like oh man i wonder, are we scaring anybody oh my gosh not that it's, it's not like scary music or nothing it's just i know that we do things differently than most people which is you know that's one reason why i'm on rude because i'm not like all the other guys um but some people don't like, I mean, people are still freaking out about the earrings. Can you believe that? <laughs> I can't believe that. It's like 2021 and people are still freaking out about the earrings. Oh I, what God. kind of a religious spirit is that? Oh, you can't, you can't be a man of God and have earrings. Oh, you can. You're, whatever you're saying about Torah is null and void because you have earrings. I mean, this is what these people are thinking and saying, man. It's like, it doesn't the- change much. I remember the Jesus movement, man. Look at those hippies. They got long hair. I know. It's the same religious spirit. It's not, it's got dreadlocks. You know, I, you know what? You know, you know why I cut my dreads off? <laughs> to remove a, another layer <laughs> between me and them. I did. That's the reason why I cut my hair. I'm like, well, I'm going to be doing books, I'm doing books. I'm going to be doing the interviews and stuff like that. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to cut my dreads off because to, to remove yet another obstacle for, for them, yet another gnat that they're going to strain on. You know, when I was in Shiloh, it took a while when people would come into a house right off the street to get cleaned up. And the Holy Spirit had to clean everybody up. Yep. And getting them cleaned up had nothing to do with their nope. appearance. Not nope. one thing it had to do with their heart. That's why I have that little mantra. Christianity says, believe, behave, belong. Jesus says, believe, you already belong. I'll teach you how to behave. There you go. That's, oh my gosh, you got to put that up. You got to make a poster about it. I should tattoo that on my chest. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> make it you know, and it's just a religious spirit. Totally. So not only do men believe God's stupid and he's and he's not with he's not cool enough or smart enough to be hip with the times, you know, but you know, they, they also well, believe that uh they, they they also remember remember that you'll remember you should do you remember that word about policing Jesus? Yes. Remember that word? That word came out around the blue guitar era. And so let me see if I remember correctly. It was like at a it was like at a mall or like like a showroom, like 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 a car show showroom type of situation, if I remember correctly. And Jesus was there and and the religious people, the religious Christians, those with the religious spirit actually had like a velvet rope around him and had built like a wall, a barricade around him, and they were policing him. They were they were basically policing who they were allowing access to him. Like if he was a celebrity and he needed like, you know, handlers to protect him from the masses, they were they were they were determining who was acceptable or not based on whatever their nonsense was on who they were going to allow to approach him. Do I am I remember that? I do. Is that kind of right? Is that kind of how it went? Yes. Yep. They were policing Jesus. Well, the same thing. That Allen guy, he's got earrings. That Allen guy sometimes mm-hmm. slips a, a, a word or two out of his mouth that's uh, unholy. Uh, what's it called? Um, 
unwholesome talk out of his mouth. The, the little chapel, when Chuck Smith first started, this little Calvary chapel was real small. They all came in by droves, and he goes, I can't have this. And his wife, Kay, slapped him upside the head and said, what are you doing? He, you know, he came out of the whole Foursquare system where they used to have the thermometer things to see how many people came in, how many people got saved, and the little red would rise one week and go down. Yeah. And he got tired of that. But then when they started showing up with beards, smoking dope, she said, leave them alone. She goes, just don't smoke in the building, but yep. I don't care what you're doing. Just come and find Jesus. That's why I say. That's all they did. Yeah. There's the, uh, then you, and you, you've probably have heard me say this too. I believe the revival everyone's been praying about came was 2006 and it was a return to Torah. And I, and I, I believe that's what happened and how it happened. And I, and by 2007, 2008, I started cringing because I knew what was going to happen to that revival. And it's called the Hebrew roots movement. It's called the Torah movement. And now you have all these psychotic people out there. And I call, I use the word psychotic because they're not stable human beings psychologically, mentally, emotionally, and by no means spiritually. You have these groups out there that are absolutely insane, that they call everything everything that they think might be the Holy Spirit, or no, a lot of what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying, they call Kondalini, they call it witchcraft. I mean, it's it's. I knew it was going to be perverted. I mean, that's just the way it works. But anyway, I believe... Revival everyone's been praying for came in 2006, and it's a return to Torah. And then we have this everything that's happened since then, the Hebrew Roots movement, all that stuff. Speaking of Hebrew Roots, I'm going to be on Hebrew Roots Radio at uh, in 45 minutes. I'm not sure what the show is, but being interviewed. Um, so look for that link. Anyway, that the revival everyone's been praying for came, and it came in this form and shape of returning to the scriptures. What a concept. Yeah. And the reason it came that way, and the reason why the majority, the vast majority, the 80-plusers, missed it, was because they don't have an infrastructure, Bible. They don't have an infrastructure for LGBTQ, RS, YZ, XYZ, whatever. The, am I making fun of that? Yeah, because I think it's all silly. But... The church doesn't have an infrastructure for LGBTQ, LGBTQ. They don't have an infrastructure for the poor. They don't have an infrastructure for drug addicts. They don't have an infrastructure for uh, alternative lifestyles, whether it's music, culture, or whatever. The church doesn't have an infrastructure for the lost or the sinners. They don't. They, they don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right. They don't. They, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't, in the same way they didn't know what to do with the hippies, they wouldn't know what to do with a bunch of punk rockers, with a bunch of LGBTQ, with a bunch of drug addicts, with a bunch of homeless. The church wouldn't know what to do with them or how to, they, they just wouldn't know what to do with them. So I believe that it, the, the revival didn't come that way because God is not going to waste crops whole crops on Christians, because Christians are not good stewards. They're squatters. They're not possessing land. They're squatting on land, not good stewards. And they're not going to reveal Messiah to them or the Holy Ghost. They're going to reveal to them the Jesus based on their denomination. God is not going to give up whole crops to bad Bad, bad stewardship of Christianity. That's right. You want to hear something scary? You know what Jesus said? He said this. He goes, oh, I, 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 I'm not going to eradicate religion. I'm just going to let the wheat grow up with the tares. But at the end of the age, yep. what happens? Yep. Some angels that are going to be loosed, pull up the tares and burn them. That's scary, man. That is terrifying. 
Yeah, and that and that is and that is the teaching of Jesus. Let the tares and the wheat grow up together, and then at the end of the age, my angels will separate the. But look at the mercy in that, because yep. what the church would throw out, he doesn't throw out. He does not throw out. And the church has a habit of throwing out. I don't know how many times people walked out of the church when I would pastor because it didn't bug me that somebody was in there that was different. Yeah. I remember when you came in, Alan, we had, it's interesting, most of the people were there. There was a couple people who said, no, 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 you're going too far now. Let's go, you know what? I might not know much, but I know enough to know that this is what God loves and who, who God loves. And you don't know the whole story. Like you said this morning, people don't know the whole story, and that's why they judge. It's not for them to know the whole story. No. You're not supposed to judge. Yeah. You're supposed to love people into a right relationship with Jesus, not judge yeah, them. That's right. Jesus didn't judge the woman that was literally caught in adultery. These Pharisees, these guys, whoever brought Je- the, her to Jesus, they watched her have sex. <laughs> Think about that. They watched her and caught her in the act of having sex. That's a little pervy. And then they brought her to Jesus to try. To try. So they, they, they satisfied their sinful lust to trap Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't, I don't judge you. I don't condemn you. Then here's the part that Christianity misses too, especially the Christian left. Go and sin no more. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Love that verse governed a lot of the areas in my life where I've lacked mercy. You know, it's interesting. I saw some real effective um, ministries to the whole LGBTQ or whatever, the early, early days, and just people's lives getting transformed. Then it got political. And I'm talking about church political stuff, not apart from the church. And it kind of stopped. I remember my neighbors in Burbank, and I think you were there when I turned 40 years old. I was I at your birthday party. Yeah, yeah my, I, I was at that birthday party. party. Remember the two yeah. ladies there? No. They were, they were lovers, but they loved us because we loved them. And they right. threw the party at their house. And uh, I used to pray for them. I just loved them. I just, there's nothing yeah. else we could do but love them. That's, that's all we're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, the New Testament teaching is very clear on this. We, we are not to judge the world. We are supposed to judge the household of faith. The world is not under the covenants and precepts as we are. First and Corinthians until, 5, the very last chapter of 1 Corinthians 5. Yeah, and until they come underneath the covenants of God, the rules of engagement don't, don't apply to them. <laughs> You can't expect them to, and Jesus didn't. He didn't expect them to follow. He, that's why he was teaching them, hey, these are the rules. And when they came and embraced the rules, then he taught them. You know, that now, now you're supposed to live by these rules. Oh, you can't do that. That's breaking the rule. But when you're not inside the framework of the family, right. you're not a rule breaker because the rules don't apply to you. That's right. They do apply to you. But I mean, does, do you know what I mean? I mean, there's people I out there that are exactly going to say, Alan just said. No, you're not supposed to judge the household of faith. They're sinners. You can't bring them, you can't expect them to obey the covenants of God. They're not believers. You can't judge them. But you do judge people that claim to be believers that are still walking and living and sinning in the world. It's like, they don't get that. They don't understand that. For some reason, they don't get that or understand that. And it's not based on what you think it is right or wrong. It's not based on what you, on your understanding or on your biases or on your prejudices. That's where the, the that's right. That's where that uh, religious spirit comes in, and that's why people don't like my earrings or the way I talk or my. You know what? I can't even. I've tried. I I I share my t- my music testimony, and they lose their minds. It's like, well, why is he talking about all this music? Well, because music's like a huge part of my testimony. And I'm trying to explain to you the musical history so that you understand where I'm going forward in Messiah. And they won't even get that far. They just just shut it out. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. What can you do? Here's that verse. 
But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves that person. Yeah, not the world person. No. And not the person in transition either. Right. <laughs> the person that's getting cleaned up by the Holy Ghost, not by us. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's called the discernment, isn't it? I, I guess and that's a whole other subject. Yeah, we tried touch. We touched on that a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, we did. You can't. You don't. Ha- you can't have discernment if you're still drinking milk and you have no maturity in you, and you're still needing to be taught the basic precepts of God. <laughs> Here we are. I love the earrings. Look at that. There you go. Oh my gosh! I think they should flash. Have some lights on. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> oh, oh man, dude. You know how many piercings I I took out, and I only have these two left. <laughs> yeah. When I first met you, did you have eyebrows or no? No, I don't think so. I used to shave my eyebrows. I yeah. sang in a band. I remember, I was out of the Beach Boys era. So when I when I first when we first got together, I'm going. Now, what kind of band is this? <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? I was clueless. But it was fun. My wife fell in love with you guys. And I think so did the fellowship. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. So I don't, like I said, I, I'm um, at, what is it? Uh, 8.30 Pacific, 10.30 Central, 11.30 Eastern. I'm going to be on a one of those phone-in interviews on somebody's show on Hebrew Roots Radio this morning. I don't know what the show is. I don't know what the name of the show is. I don't know when it airs. Oh, you know, let me just ask them. What's the name of the show? Because <laughs> if it's live, you won't be. Able, I don't know if it's going to be. You'll be able to hear it. Uh, yeah. So if I can get the name of the show, I haven't even thought about asking because uh, I'll tell you, and then you can tune in on Hebrew Roots Radio. Hey, I should get a. I should get a show on Hebrew Roots Radio, huh? Or at least look into it. What would I talk about? What about the Hebrew Roots Network? That's the Hebrew Roots Network Radio. Okay, that's the one with Monty Judah and all those guys. guys. Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, Hebrew Roots Radio. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, I don't know what it's called. Is it what's Hebrew Nation Radio? Okay, is that the same thing? No, it's not. Oh, if you Google Hebrew Roots Network, it has. uh, um, I mean, Brad. They even have Brad stuff on there. Right. So who's what's Hebrew Nation Radio? I'll look it up. Have I just walked into a trap? You never know. How can you walk into a trap? I'll, I will walk up Mars Hill and tell you about the unknown God. That's, That's right. not a trap. Shouldn't scare you a bit. No. I will walk oh, no. into uh, uh, the Philistine camp and tell them about the one true God. I have. I mean, this is what I do. I mean, isn't this what we're all supposed to be doing? It's not just for me. I mean, you're all supposed to be doing that. I guarantee you there's a Philistine camp near your house somewhere that you just won't walk into and tell them about Jesus. You know, sometimes it's just simply serving them. We feed, we feed, we feed LDS Mormon kids and we use LDS businessmen's money to feed these kids. That's just, you know what my favorite thing? This, this freaks a lot of Christians out because they have a religious spirit. You know that show, The Chosen? You know what's really rad about that show? The LDS are funny. The production company is a Mormon company. They are using Mormon money to make this show by Christians, not Mormons, with a Messianic rabbi consulting. That's how it's done, kids. It's done. That's unholy mammon. Jesus taught on that. And uh, it terrifies they, they have no idea how to, they don't know, they know how to navigate that stuff because they were never taught that. You can do that. Yeah, you can. You can do whatever the heck, God can do whatever the heck he wants and does. You just need to be cooperative with it and submit to it and align yourself with it. But you need discernment to know when it's God and when it's not God. See, that's where people get 
That's where the mistakes happen. Uh, anyway, it's Hebrew Nation Radio. Our time is up. I mean, well, no, our time isn't up. We can do this forever. Our show. Um, but I'm not sure what show it, it is. Or is there only one show? Well, if it's radio, isn't there just one show? It's not like multiple shows? Yeah. See, I don't know how. I don't know how. The, you would think I would remember how, to, how this stuff works. I don't remember how traditional media works. I forgot. You know what I'm saying? It's been so long since I've done traditional media. I'm going to assume I'm doing a live radio interview on Hebrew Nation Radio in 30 minutes. <laughs> I could it's be wrong. HebrewNationOnline.com. Oh, thanks for looking it up. So anyway. All right. Hey, Lenny, nice chatting with you. Yeah, that's great. I will not probably, well, offline I'll probably talk to you, but if I don't talk to you, have an amazing High Sabbath of the first day of tabernacles, of in-gathering. This is what this is all about. Have an amazing High Sabbath of the first day of Sukkot. Dude, and Thank everyone on the, on the show here, dude, you guys be blessed. Yes, and all of you out there, definitely. I was going to get to that. So you can see, I was going to get to that. All of you I out there. Again, sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> You have an amazing high Sabbath of your first day of Sukkot. And may, may Father, I pray that you, these people's hearts would be open to a visitation of your Holy Spirit over them, Father. Yes. Uh, an even deeper indwelling of your Holy Spirit. You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellie Naguire. The views and opinions expressed during our broadcasts are solely those of the broadcast producers, hosts, and or guests, etc., and are not necessarily the views or opinions of the Travelog Network, its sponsors, or affiliates.